We are. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to another episode of Journey Doses. Ash and Ty here, and we are joined by a good friend of ours. She's actually official tribe member. Um, uh, <laughs> With her stamp of approval. Yeah, you want to introduce? Yeah, you know, I actually don't know how to pronounce your last name, but I just call you Christy, <laughs> and I really appreciate you. How do you pronounce your last name well? Queller? Queller? Queer. Queer. Uh, Espanol is Queer. And English, it's Queer. <laughs> there we go. Christy Queer. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I'm, I'm glad we gave you a chance to give us the more appropriate uh, pronunciation. Yes. So Christy, so Christy's a lifestyle coach. She's also a physical therapist. She's an expert in dry needling, which is which was completely new to me and still terrifying to me. So we're definitely going to get into what that is. Um, and we actually met Christy. Well, I met Christy at Journeys of Wisdom. Did you meet her there as well? Okay. Which I is, did. which, I mean, you can explain what Journeys of Wisdom is if you want. Yeah. Well, first, thank you for being here today, Christy. I was, okay. I just wanted to say before <laughs> I get into describing journey, you know, Journeys of Wisdom, um, yeah, uh, actually, Chrissy, would you mind describing what Journeys of Wisdom is? Because I know it has had a, a pretty profound impact on you, and that's where we all met. And if you'd like to describe it, then I'd love yeah. to hear your, your interpretation. Well, um, I'll start by um, telling you that I really want about really want to talk about what I do, which is chronic pain. Yeah, I myself have. Um, I myself have, you know, grew up as an athlete. I was a cheerleader. I was um, um, a track star um, mm. and I would just did anything athletic. I just mm -hmm. loved performing. I loved athleticism. Um, sophomore year of high school, I fell off a cheerleading stunt, tore my ACL. Oh, wow. um, that was traumatic. Um, my leg atrophied out. Um, so anyway, that, that, um, that facilitated me into wanting to be a physical therapist. Mm. Since then, um, I've explored more about more about health and healing. And that led me into the Czech holistic lifestyle coaching program, which I am now a Czech holistic lifestyle coach, uh, level two, uh, we learned about diet, we learned about exercise, and we learned about, you know, hormone balance and sleep. And then we learned about happiness. And I noticed that 
you know, I was doing all the things to be healthy. And there was just this other little piece of me that I felt needed to be healed or, or revisited. And my health coach, um, recommended that I went to this, um, workshop called journeys of wisdom and journeys of wisdom is this holistic workshop where we get to dive into possibly what are the root causes of chronic pain? What are the root causes of depression? What are the root causes of, uh, you know, why don't we don't feel good enough or why we're not take, making advances in our career, you know, things like that. So yeah, I think uh, me and you met there and uh, we did an exercise together about intimacy and like gazing in each other's eyes or something, which was kind of hard for us, I remember. Mm, yeah. I remember I started crying. So I was just like, wow, I hadn't like looked in someone's eyes for like over 30 seconds in a very long time. <laughs> I really appreciate how you, you tied that all in there. That was really great because my experience was very similar, like being an athlete, finding myself broken, and then realizing that we can't just acknowledge the physical body. We have to acknowledge the emotional body as well. And that's going to bring us to a state of like what real health and wellness is um, because there's no differentiation there. Um, so I, I like that, that transition. And yeah, um, so a little bit more into the depth of like your, your injuries or your unhappiness or discontent, I should say, not unhappiness. I don't, I don't know if you're unhappy or not, but like what, what things through the Czech Institute and through Journeys of Wisdom did you find that started to facilitate your emotional well-being? Like what was it about those things that helped with that for you? How did Journeys of Wisdom help? So, and so what? So, when you started getting into the the Czech Institute and Journeys of Wisdom, what in those courses or seminars started to help you with your emotional well being and realizing that you needed to acknowledge your happiness, your joy, or your passion? Yeah, um, I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of um, how I was conditioned as, as a child, as a teen. And that was the only place that I got to really learn, you know, learn more about, um, our parent, our ego, our parents, how our ego is, is conditioned. And what I learned about myself is that I, um, I felt loved when people were validating my performance. Mm. And so I think that my, my, my injury, um, my injury was a big ego boost or is it, it like really hurt me because I now didn't have an identity, um, as an athlete, as a, like, you know, really good athlete. And so it, I was scared about who I was versus what I was doing. Um, so journeys uh, has really helped me, um, accept me who I am instead of what I do. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Again, I really strongly relate with that, especially when you're laid up with a, a significant injury, like an ACL tear. I had a PCL tear, um, where, you know, you just, you can't do anything that you, you used to do like hardly walk. Right. 
So mm-hmm. how do you shift? And this is a rhetorical question, but like, how do you shift your one's focus into who I am at the core of my being versus like all the validation I was receiving by doing cool things or doing um, important things, air quotes. Right. I, I, um, I feel like, um, you know, injuries happen at an interesting time and it's about how you respond to them instead of how you, or yeah, it's about like how you bounce back versus staying stuck and then staying in the story that it happened to you. It's like, it's happening for you. Yeah. Sometimes injuries happen for you and you get to, you get to, um, grow into a new way of being, which is, you know, a stronger way of being from it. Definitely. I'd like to just take a a step back and um, give you an opportunity to share a little bit more your backstory, Um, critical, you know, aspects of the life that you've experienced that you feel has brought you to a place today where you are in service in a healing manner um, and why you're sp- so specifically passionate about chronic pain. And, um, yeah, that's my question. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I, where do I start? Um, <laughs> as, a, so I've been a physical therapist 17 years and after about 10 years, I have seen so many, you know, I had seen thousands and thousands of patients and, um, you know, um, chronic pain and, and the way that people heal from injuries has a lot to do with, you know, their previous athletic level, their metabolism, their, um, inflammation level, you know, some people have chronic arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, and, um, they, it's, it's a delayed healing. And so I've, I've kind of studied all these different ways of healing. Um, I was introduced to dry needling uh, around 2008. A a physical therapist that I worked with used acupuncture needles, um, put them along my hip and my quad. And after that, the next day I was able to do the split. I mean, as a cheerleader in high school, I was never able to do the split. And um, I was, you know, I had, you know, of course the the knee problems and I had some back pain because my pelvis was always like anteriorly rotated. Um, And when I got dry needled, I, the, the muscles that were dry needled were my quad and my psoas, the iliopsoas. And after that dry needling treatment, I was able to do the split and yesterday and the next day I had the best run. (laughs) Um, so I was like, Whoa, we're onto something. And I like immediate results. I like modalities that produce results. Then, you know, you don't need to do it two times a week for six weeks. I mean, in one treatment, it was, it was like amazing. Mm. Um, so at the same time, I was a little burnt out, um, as a physical therapist, because we're, we're required to see about, you know, 10 to 20 patients a day. So when, after, when, when I got dry needled and when the course was offered to me, I was like, this is going to be my thing because I like immediately results. I like patients, you know, um, having something to, uh, having this new modern way of, of, um, of 
um, massage, a new, a new way to treat muscular pain and trigger points. And uh, yeah, I decided to get certified in that because I, I just, I wanna be able to offer all the available modalities to, um, for, for people to heal versus do alternative and um, invasive ways of healing. So for people yeah. that don't know what dry needling is at all, they don't have any visual reference, they've never heard of it, um, how would you explain? Okay. Um, okay, so let me first let me explain um, where pain comes from. Mm. Number one, physical trauma. You twist an ankle, you fall on an outstretched arm, um, you lift something that's too heavy, that's physical trauma to a uh, muscle, joint, ligament, bone. And then uh, the second one is mechanical stress. Posture, um, being in a weird, um, like, you know, lifting things wrong again, um, um, overuse, you know, a pitcher that's like overusing his rotator cuff. And then we got number three is degeneration of joints which is, um, you know, just like a hip impingement and just keeps going and the cartilage is gone. We got nerve root compression, which is, you know, sometimes uh, like a nerve that's coming out of your neck, going down the arm, somebody will feel radiculopathy. That is a nerve being pressed. Hmm. And then there's other, you know, sometimes people have chronic inflammation, which is not, it is physical, but it's, it's not from soft tissue. So trigger points, uh, where were studied in, I want to say the sixties by Janet Travell and trigger points are caused by excessive release of acetylcholine. Mm, I did not know that. Yeah. And so it's this excessive release of AC, ACH and, um, what it does, it, it, um, it creates, uh, let me see a prolonged release of ACH, um, causes chronic shortening and contraction of sarcomeres coupled with decreased circulation leading to hypoxia and local ischemia. Mm -hmm. So a trigger point is this tight ball of muscle, um, a tight ball in your muscle. And, you know, sometimes people use massage trigger point balls. Um, they'll get chiropractic care. They'll do all the things. They'll do yoga stretches and it's still not gone. And so, um, Dry needling is the thing that can help this. Dry needling is the use of acupuncture needles inserted into that ball of tissue trigger point. And um, it's inserted a couple of times until a twitch response is elicited. And there is a mechanical um, chemical reaction that it purges out all these chemicals that were stored. And then the muscle now creates a pro-inflammatory response and then the body within the next 24 to 36 hours lays down good, viable, flexible tissue the way it should be. You do your exercises, reteach the muscle the way it's, that's the way it's supposed to um, work. And yeah, that's why dry needling is so, it's, it's, very, it's very effective. It's very different from acupuncture, by the way. Acupuncture uses very similar, almost the same needles. Uh, there's different gauges of needles. It's like 0.0 five thinner than a, trigger, uh, a dry needling um, needle, but acupuncture is used to stimulate 
chi. It's used to stimulate um, a meridian that, that may be blocked. It's um, used to treat organ systems and energy systems. And dry needling is a use of the needles to treat the muscular pain, the fascial line. So very, very different. Yeah, because the when you're dry needling, it's more into the muscle belly, right? It's are are you going into tendon at all? Probably not tendon or ligament, right? Um, you um, it's most the desirable. Um, it feels better when it goes into a muscle belly. Yeah, you can use dry needling into the tendon, which is really good because um there's very little blood flow that gets into the tendon if yeah. you if you look at an anatomy chart tendons are white and muscles are red and so if you kind of poke along um the tendon it will cause some inflammation and blood flow and like require blood flow so mm-hmm. if you got a tendonitis um oh, yeah. dry needling definitely help yeah yeah i want to speak a little bit to like uh the the counterintuitiveness of trigger point therapy in general, whether it's dry needling or um, massage therapy, a lot of people don't really understand that it doesn't always feel good to release these things, to work on these things, right? Like getting a deep tissue massage doesn't necessarily feel good when you're receiving it. But with dry needling, I mean, I've experienced it once and it wasn't necessarily comfortable, but it wasn't like painful like getting a deep tissue massage was so is it necessary for it to be uncomfortable is it always uncomfortable is pain necessary to release a trigger point well i would love to get your perspective on what uh what pain means or or how in the in in all the patients that i've worked with um everyone has a different pain response <laughs> and um like i could just pinch someone's upper trap and they'll be like ow 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 don't touch that, that that's ashley but, <laughs> yeah and um I, i'm not sure if it's actually that painful where like 10 out of 10 pain is you need to go to the emergency room seven out of pain is oh like i need to take a pain pill Six is, you know, you're super, you're very aware, but five, five is you feel it and you're aware of it, but you really don't want it to be there. Um, but some people with that, like five to seven, it's, they really have to like, like they're really expressing that it's uncomfortable and, and I like it, like I may be crossing their boundary. Um, so I really have to like talk to them about what it means. Yeah twitch response to happen. The twitch response is a little surprising. It, it surprises you. It's like, like almost, it's like, uh, like a muscle cramp and then it kind of goes away. Yeah. And it's just surprising. Cause like it might refer, um, away from that muscle might refer down. It, uh, might just, you know, feel like somebody pinched you or like, um, somebody hit you with a rubber band, but, um, it's not painful to me. It's, it's surprising. Um, but I don't feel like it's painful. Uh, when, when, when a needle touches a nerve, now that is like nine out of 10, get that out because (laughs) nerves are meant to alert us, um, almost like the, at the same level, like when a lion comes in and if a lion had come into your house or something. Yeah. 
So um, muscular deep achiness is usually what you may feel, um, but it, it's- Yeah. It's, yeah, I'm trying to reflect on the sensation. It is like a, it is a deep achiness in a way. Like I remember when you were treating my my back and you're, you were in my spinal rectors and glutes, it feels like there is a finger way further into the tissue than I've experienced before. And it's just like, it's, it's dull. It was dull to me unless, you know, there might've been a couple points that were like, oh yeah. When you were treating my QL, when I was laying on my side, that was pretty tender for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't think, you know, you know, you being an athlete, me being an athlete, not saying Ashley's not an athlete, but we have a history of like pushing the body to a, a limit. Right. Um, we're not good people to talk about pain thresholds too. Like, I wouldn't say like, I'm a normal, like a person that you would be like, Oh, what's your typical pain threshold? Because mine is far, far further than I'd say most not as like, you know, not to brag or anything. I just, I just push myself really hard too hard. In fact, so maybe Ashley can speak to what it's like to receive a massage from me. Because when I'm trying to work on her, you know, we're going deep tissue trigger point stuff. And I'll just let her speak to her experience of that. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you press too hard and it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's supposed to hurt. It's got to hurt a little bit. And she's like, but, but it hurts. I don't, I don't like it. There's a certain level of hurt that, that is like, yeah, get that, get it, get it. And then there's, there's some that's just a little like intolerable, but I've not done the dry needling. I witnessed it and, um, I don't, you know, I don't want to instill fear in anyone, but it, for me, it was gnarly to watch, um, that this little, this, this longer thin needle just kid is getting like jab, 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 jab. Well, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. Cause it's not like Christy is stabbing people with needles. There's a very precise uh, way to go about inserting the needle well, into the flesh, but like, yeah. So when you, let's say, um, Christy, let's, what's a common physical issue that you see in your patients or, or new people coming to you? And then what, how do you go about like from then on, they walk in the front door and then finally a needle ends up going into them. What does that whole process look like? Well, first of all, um, when a patient is interested in, in seeing me because they have never been dry needled before, I usually connect one-on-one um, -on -one with them and I have asked them what they have done. Uh, what have they, what they, what have they have, what they have done previously to treat this, this pain? And um, the top three, top three issues that I see is uh, this neck shoulder pain, which is usually an upper trap or levator scapulae. Um, and then the second one is a low back pain kind of like radiating into the glute. And then I would say the third is like hip to knee pain, like an IT band uh, type of sensation. And um, um, hold on. Pest control is just coming in. Okay. And so <laughs> we get on the call, uh, we get on the call and they say that they have gone to a chiropractor. They went to the doctor. The doctor did an x-ray. The x-ray was normal. They, um, um, they use a trigger point ball. They actually did go to acupuncture and it didn't work. 
Um, they also had a massage, I already say that, and um, these things aren't working and it's still there. And so um, that's when we talk about dry needling. And I talk to, I tell them that the, the thickness, the girth of this needle is almost the, the thickness of a hair. It's so thin. And I, I don't remember if you saw Ashley, but when I used the needle in, in Tyler's back, um, there was no bleeding. Like mm -hmm. you, one out of 20 um, needles will like cause a little bit of a bleed. The amount of blood is like the amount of like a little, tiny little ladybug, like it's so small. Um, but um, usually people are ready to do it if they've tried everything and the little discomfort is worth them getting rid of their pain. So um, I won't see anybody that doesn't, that is like scared of needles or doesn't want to do it. Um, and usually the ones maybe forced by their doctor or forced by their wife or something, those are the ones that are more uncomfortable because they're not choosing to. So you have to be in the right mindset. Yeah. And uh, I remember with you, Tyler, you're just like, you've done all the things. Um, it's a little uncomfortable, but you knew and you trusted that, that um, this method is the deepest way of uh, this deepest form of body work that can get into that muscle that you know is not working correctly. Yeah. And I, I really trusted you as well. So I think, you know, finding a practitioner, this, I mean, I would say dry needling is one of those things where you want to, you want to feel safe with your practitioner. Chiropractics, I think as well, like when somebody's manipulating your joints or your spine or something like that, you want to trust who, whoever is working on you. And I think that's a, a really commonly overlooked thing. Like uh, no matter what, if you're looking for a therapist, it's like you think that your first person is just going to be the person and like, oh, I'm stuck with this person forever. This is not the case for any kind of practitioner that you work with, whether it's chiropractics, dry needling, trainer, whatever. See how it feels for you. How do they make you feel safe first and foremost? Because you want to feel safe when you're going through these these practices. Yeah, and I want to bring up that trust is the number one fear and kind of like thing that we're all trying to get over. And um, yeah, it's it's really hard to keep tr like to really trust your practitioner or trust anyone, and then. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for for you to like go someone go to Trust someone people. for the first time and uh and and this you know this girl that you just met is going to use needles in your back yeah trust the trust factor um can sometimes be a little off but yeah. um yeah and i think it's very important and one reason why what i'm why i'm proud one of the reasons why I believe that my um, practice has grown and I have these continued clients is because I work on getting their trust and I be, I'm as open and as vulnerable and as honest as I can. And I trust, you know, or I trust myself, I trust them. I, I, I um, just honest about everything. And I think that patients really appreciate that. I'm not trying to sell them packages and stuff. Like I genuinely, um, I genuinely want them to get better. So in regards to getting better, you know, chronic pain, people are coming back to you. What, what's the protocol for 
dry needling? Is this a modality where someone would need to do X amount of treatments before something is totally healed? Or is this sort of a, a maintenance modality? Okay. Yeah. Great question. Um, so usually uh, after the first session, dry new, uh, patients will feel significant difference in the way they feel the next day. They might feel sore mm, 12 to 24 hours. And then after that, the pain is significantly reduced. They may feel, you know, the pain comes back, but the volume is not as high. Um, so they feel a difference. The, the difference between patients that, that need dry need more and more dry needling sessions and the patients that are like done within three sessions are patients that continue to uh, do their home exercise program. Because the reason why they have pain in the first place is because something's going on with their biomechanics. There's a weak muscle. There is some you know, rotation in their back while they're working. Um, they're not recovering well. So we talk about all the other tools of recovery and therapeutic exercise is very, very, very important, which I'm also passionate about therapeutic exercise water, rest, and food. And um, they got all those things covered. They're gonna recover. Um, the muscle's gonna, uh, the muscle's gonna you know, regrow and, and lay down the way it should. And they should be good within two to three sessions. Um, sometimes they'll go back into their, into their sport and their biomechanics may go off again. They come in you know, once, I'll see them again once a month or once every two months. So yeah, it's a very effective modality. Have you ever seen a perfectly even body? I think that's a <laughs> trick question, people. Uh, I have clients and Christy, maybe you can speak to this as well, but like, you know, um, people that are aware of their fitness or their biomechanics, people that are really into their training, they, they're like, you know, I got these imbalances and I really need to work on these imbalances. And this is true. This is really important. And then in that moment, I say, yes, we should all work towards balancing our imbalances. But if you ever think you're going to be a hundred percent balanced, let go of that thought. It's just not going to happen. The, the journey is the journey there and there's never going to be perfect balance. You're never going to have complete range of motion evenly on, you know, every side of your body and so on. Um, but do you notice like any, anything like that in your clients about how, you know, they're striving for perfection or, you know, they, they think they need to do more to be perfect in some way? Well, when they come in and they expect me to totally um, balance them out, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm honest and I tell them that, um, that, it, that it's going to be, you know, really hard. We, if we look at, like, we look at an anatomy picture of a skeleton and muscular system, it looks like we're even, but we're not. Um, mm, yeah. We have, yeah. your liver is set on the right side of, um, you know, where un, under your lung, under your rib cage, and it takes up a lot of space. Then the diaphragm is a muscle that, um, that is, um, on, like wraps over that. And the right side of the diaphragm has more, uh, there's more tissue from there. The abdominals, 
connect to that. So sometimes people have a stronger right core and the mm. left core, the left side is not as developed. So then already right there, if our core is, is not firing correctly, then it kind of like, um, you know, can, uh, will affect the left hip, the left pelvis may be rotated a little bit further out Then people stand on the right side. And then mm. also we got this right brachial train, uh, yeah, chain, uh, since people are mostly right hand dominant, they're using that right arm to use the mouse. They grab with the right, um, they rotate to the right. Um, so no one's exactly, no one's symmetrical. Um, people do develop like a slight scoliosis. Tall people develop a kyphosis. Um, there's so many, you know, curves and rotations in the body. And um, I don't think it's a problem until there's pain. Mm. So yeah, whenever there's pain, then something needs to be addressed and somebody needs to get back on an accountability um, back into a little program to, to tweak out and, and reverse, you know, this abnormal pattern. And yeah. then, yeah. 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 That's a really interesting part of the conversation is, you know, what we're putting into our body actually affects our musculoskeletal system. Cause if you're talking about liver damage, um, then everything you just said, if you have an inflamed liver, then it's going to throw off that whole, you know, torsional biomechanic, right? Like, and then you got left pelvic issues. And a lot of people don't consider that being a possibility. Of course, that's, that's the holistic world that we're in. Well, I was describing the shape of the liver and how the liver um, takes up more space under yeah. the diaphragm. But if you want to get into uh, liver and metabolism and chronic pain, you know, that in, in my opinion, fibromyalgia is like, like a made up thing. It's not made up, but <laughs> tell me I don't more. Know made up. But so fibromyalgia is identified or people can diagnose someone with fibromyalgia if they are sensitive to, I think, 13 to 16 points or something like that. And it's, hmm. you know, basically the upper traps and the neck and the low back and the, there, there's all these like homeostatic um, acupoints. Um, and if someone's tender in most of those points, they're diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I think people with fibromyalgia just have chronic inflammation and hmm. it's, I, most of those people really need to do some type of liver detox and also, you know, um, revisit their gut flora. Yeah. Water, yeah. Uh, hydration and caffeine. Those also affect pain. If you're like over caffeinated, you can come into a dry needling session and you're over caffeinated. Every single point is going to be so hypersensitive. Um, Tyler picks up his cheers, coffee. Cheers to the coffee. <laughs> oh yeah. It's all good. It's what 8 a.m. there. Do I you know drink coffee, I, I, I no, I drink um it's called blue lotus chai. It's black tea with a bunch of spices. Yummy. But Sounds delicious. That's, that's ridiculous. I thought you were cool. I love coffee. I, I just <laughs> had a horrible crash. When I go on vacations, I allow myself to have coffee. I love the smell of coffee. 
Mm. Yeah. So um, I feel like, you know, we've been kind of talking about it, but maybe to give you an opportunity to go a little bit more in depth. I had a Tyler, Tyler a few minutes ago asked like a, a trick question. I had a trick question written down as well, which was, <laughs> um, you know, what is the magic recipe for healing chronic pain? And the reason I see that as a trick question is because every body is different and, and there is no magic. Um, so, and, you know, you were talking about how your dry needling patients who don't need to come back to you as frequently is it's because they are following a particular protocol. So I, I would love for you to talk a little bit more in depth with some of these other aspects that you, um, for lack of a word, better word, kind of prescribe to your patients or that you feel are really critical to holistically addressing chronic pain? Okay. Yeah. So um, chronic pain is, is defined as pain um, that continues after three to six months. So if someone has pain for three to six months, that's not normal. Nor- uh, pain is in normal human experience, but living in pain, not normal. Um, and so I talked about um, there's physical trauma, mechanical trauma, there's can be generate degeneration of the joints, nerve root compression. Drenuline can help all of those. Exercise can help those, or therapeutic exercise is prescribed for this imbalance. But the number one reason, the number one way to heal pain is to address the nervous system. And I think a big in the last two years. <laughs> I think we've all, all our nervous systems have been affected by this global pandemic. Mm. And so um, we have talked about the fight or flight, our sympathetic nervous system and being in fight or flight. Um, when, what happens when we're in fight or flight? Number one, constant um, secretion of adrenaline, cortisol, and adrenaline will boost your heart rate. Uh, it will send blood and oxygen to your big muscles. So again, we're gonna talk about like a lion entering your house. Your big muscles to be able to run away are all the blood's gonna go there and um, all the little muscles that were stabilizing your core and you know helping your neck or whatever, that's gone. Uh, number two, yeah, your small muscles shut down. Digestion goes away. So wait, can you pause for a second? I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I actually didn't even know that, which is crazy. So your stabilizers, your like deep skeletal muscle actually will turn off and it'll more likely to like your blood will more likely go to like larger muscle groups. Yeah. Larger wow. muscle groups, like quads, glutes. Um, so for like a, like a multifidus, right? It's a deep spine stabilizer, things like that will turn off and then to me that just clicked like, Oh, of course there's more back pain if you're in fight or flight because your deep spine stabilizers are not working properly. Sorry. I just, that was, that was actually really like a big thing for me to learn. I I appreciate that. I wonder if multifidi are turned on because you know, like a dog or a cat when they're scared, the hair along their spines stands up. Yeah. Same thing with our back muscles like our erectors will just go like "Eh," and Mm -hmm. those will stabilize but since I think the digestion and uh everything along your core that turns off I bet the transverse abdominis turns off oh yeah so 
yeah. So then, you know, you've heard of like, you know, a baby getting stuck under the car and the woman, like all the mom, all of a sudden has the strength to lift the car. Yeah. I don't know how the baby got under there, but um, <laughs> that adrenaline and, and uh, that takes over and you're able to do whatever. And even if it's painful, like it happens. So yeah, that's another thing of fight or flight. Um, digestion is gone. Sometimes the pain goes away. Again, the cortisol and adrenaline will like mask it so that you're able to run or, you know, do this stressful thing. Your immune system will stop working. So, um, and yeah, your immune system will start work, stop working because it's doing some other thing. And then of course, um, your memory is off. And then of course, no time for like no room for intimacy. You have a siren going on. So mm communication and all those other needs are turned off. Um, but what I was saying is that if you're constantly, if we're constantly stressed out and we're in fight or flight, like all the time, um, our pain signals are going to be so off. And this is another thing that I noticed with stressed out patients. Um, they say that they don't feel pain during the day, but when, when they get home and they relax, then they feel pain. Mm -hmm. And so that is so huge. It means that they're so into their work and being stressed out at work that they don't even feel the pain until they get home and then they allow themselves to turn off. Um, so I think that when a patient comes in like that, I, they, we really need to talk about, you know, changing, changing the lifestyle so that they're able to, to address their pain and they're able to kind of like um, take some time to be aware and give themselves more self-care. So in your business, um, do you present the dry needling through like, I am a, a holistic coach that, dry, that uses dry needling? Like are clients and patients aware that when they come into your office, you might also offer holistic perspective on health other than the needling? Um, most of the time, um, most of the time, the people that are, the people that are researching dry needling just want the dry needling. Then they, they know that I'm a physical therapist. So physical therapists are mostly about your, you know, physical aspects, muscle rehab, um, so that leads what, me into my next question. They, yeah. Sometimes they don't know. And after we get yeah. to know each other, I like to introduce these other holistic ways of, of, of healing. And most of the time they're into it. There are some okay. people that are not into it. Dry needle me. What's my exercise? <laughs> yeah. Else. Yeah. That was going to be my, my next question. You, you felt it coming. Yeah. It's um, for me, like, most people are introduced to me through fitness because I've been doing fitness a long time. Most people are more into, or fitness is a little bit more approachable than like the overwhelming conversation of stress, nutrition, and hydration. So it's been a, a tricky balance for me offering the perspective on the other things while giving people what they want, which is, you know, whatever they're willing to, to do at that time, as far as the needling or, or fitness or whatever it is. I'd like to interject and um, give you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about emotions and how the mental emotional state plays a role in chronic pain to your understanding. 
What are emotions? <laughs> Happy, sad. Um, uh, let's see. Um, what do you mean? So do we want to talk about a patient that... You can go wherever your brain takes you on it, but as we're talking about all of the things that play a role in healing chronic pain, I mean, we've talked obviously a lot about the dry needling and the physical aspects, um, but what sort of mental, emotional aspects come into play? And I know you were talking about the, uh, the nervous system, so maybe there's some sort of connection there. Well, there, there definitely is. Oh, I know there definitely is, but for her to okay. decide where to go with this. <laughs> Well, I will start with um, talking about a patient that I have seen for over two years. I've seen her mm, every three weeks for the last two and a half years. Mm. One thing that we talk about, because she wants to get the same area dry needled, same area. It's around the neck and the traps. Shoulders are tight. She says she does some of her exercises. Sometimes she doesn't. Most of the time, because she gets home, she's tired. Um, but one of the themes, or one of the things that we do talk about is that she doesn't like her job. <laughs> and uh, I believe she's quit one of her jobs and now she's at another job. And I don't think she likes, it makes it, she makes it seem like she doesn't like that one either. And so what I would really like to talk about is um, why she doesn't like her job why, what job does she want? Mm. Does she believe that she's enough to start her own business? Does she believe that, or does she think that she's not heard enough? Does she feel like she belongs at her job? Does she feel like she's not listened to? We all have these needs. And sometimes I feel like we need to communicate what our needs are and maybe, you know, what role we want to play. And I feel like when people's needs are not met, they have this, sometimes they have anger, they have sadness, uh, they feel rejected, they feel um, not enough. And I feel like there's no outlet for some people to express those things. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like sometimes when these needs are not expressed, sometimes it shows up in the body. So definitely don't talk about that as, you know, during the first session of dry needle, yeah, but yeah, yeah. what do y'all think? <clears throat> yeah. Do I was going to say, so how does the neck, the traps relate to not speaking your truth or asking for what you need? Okay. Well, I'll tell you my, um, I'll tell you my perspective. So first of all, the neck is where we have our throat. Neck is where we have our voice box. Uh, neck is where we have our thyroid. Uh, so the neck to me represents communication. It re represents um, expression. Um, it represents, you know, connecting your heart to your mind and connecting what's in your heart or balancing out heart and um heart and mind in communicating that mm. some people are in their head all day and uh, some people don't communicate from their heart. So I also feel that traps are a reflection of a burden that you may be carrying right side, maybe with masculine left side, feminine. 
Um, sometimes there is a masculine type burden that someone may have, like a responsibility that they think that they're giving too much and they are uh, like, it's exhausting. So um, I believe it's that we have, again, throat is like a energy center. We call it sometimes a chakra. Mm -hmm. And I think that <clears throat> neck pain, shoulder pain is kind of connected to uh, a burden that may be like a, some, like a burden caused by not communicating and expressing something that's on the heart. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to that. I know it's not easy because, you know, it's, we're kind of speaking in metaphor here. What things represent to us is, is kind of what is how this works is how the energy centers work. It's, it's the representation of what an area might mean to each of us as individuals and general um, representations, you know, through different schools of thought, whether it's uh, Qigong or whether it's yoga, like these different energy centers represent kind of different things, but similar. So yeah. it could be different for each person, right? Of course. But um, yeah, I, I really like that. And in anybody that might be open to playing with um, the idea that a, a part of the body can mean more than just what it looks like. It's what does a shoulder represent to Christy or to Tyler, you know, so. Yeah. Or to Ashley, a shoulder might mean something to me too. <laughs> um, and I'm, uh, generally, you know, when someone has a shoulder pain, it's, you know, their scapula is rotated forward. Their shoulder is pointing in the wrong direction. The upper trap is shortened. So that's all valid, but maybe why Chicken are they or the egg. Over? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why is somebody hunched over all day? Um, are they breathing? So the other reason mm. why a trap may, may be tight is because they're superficially breathing and only using their accessory muscles to, um, to breathe and they're not yeah. getting breath all the way down. And again, we know that, uh, stress will just, um, stress is highly correlated with this superficial yeah. just breathing from the shoulders and they're not getting breath all the way down into their into their core so that's another sign of stress yeah fight or flight breathing yes yeah so um i'm looking at time and i had a few other topics i wanted to go into with you but before we transition away from chronic pain i wanted to give you an opportunity to highlight anything else um that you feel like we didn't necessarily address, but you feel like it's important to uh, the work that you do or the message that you have around, around that. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, I guess I also wanted to talk about something that's been going on with me and um, something that's been going on with me is I, you know, I have, I get chronic pain as well. Um, I get, well, I get on and off pain along my neck and low back. And I noticed that when, again, when I'm stressed out and I have been revisiting the root cause of my stress and recently, well, in the last few years, I've noticed that the chronic stress, the chronic pain and the chronic fatigue is coming from me being triggered a lot. 
triggered. We'll talk about trigger being triggered. What is your definition of being triggered, Tyler, Ashley? Ooh. Definition. I mean, I'll speak to it for myself. It triggered, emotionally triggered for me means um, in some way energized. And this energized, this energy is not necessarily like a positive energy. Could be positive energy. A trigger could be positive and negative. A lot of people don't realize that. But it's whatever stimulus is lighting me up in some way. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, right. Triggered can be positive or negative, but it is this like electrical charge. Like, mm-hmm. whoa, I, I'm, I'm more aware of that. Mm-hmm. And um, one reason, one thing that I'm growing into is, is, Uh, being more aware of the trigger and, you know, allow it to come in, but also not taking things personal. (laughs) And um, Don Miguel. Yes. When people, yeah, the four agreements, right? I think when we take things too personal, we carry more, more and more burdens around that don't serve us. And um, yeah, I feel like confidence knowing that we're showing up the best that we can this is us this is me um i'm doing my best i can't please everyone um you can't (laughs) can't please everyone (laughs) you you failure i don't know maybe you're just not trying hard enough christy oh my god (laughs) we just jabbed her real good (laughs) welcome to the last 10 years of healing for me (laughs) Yeah, I've. Um, so being triggered for you has has robbed you a lot of your energy. Yes, yes, and I feel um, being triggered and trying to please people has robbed me, um, giving too much of a fuck. Oh. Like I did not care. Like why? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I care so much. I'm yeah. compassionate. I'm passionate about helping others, and I also get to be passionate and compassionate about healing myself and taking time for myself and healing boundaries. Boundaries are a big deal, and um, I teach my patients about you know, creating boundaries, especially uh, patients that are in relationships. Most of my patients, uh, a lot of the women um, are caregivers and are serving their family. And when they come to me in in pain, because they haven't taken enough time to help and heal themselves, and they're giving, they're giving away their power, they're giving away their energy to help others and, and not take time for themselves. And so one of my messages is not feeling selfish. Self-care is, um, is good for us. We all need it. Don't feel bad about it. Um, Question yeah. about self-care. How much time do you give yourself a day to take care of yourself? At least an hour. Nice. I, well, I have to schedule it in. You Okay. So, yeah, I... I really have to schedule it in. My morning ritual is very slow and that's the way it is. And <laughs> I, if I'm in a relationship. I explain that, that my morning, <laughs> is, yes, my morning to myself. Um, but yeah, I do, I, I schedule myself at least like one massage every two to three weeks. Um, and 
I give myself therapeutic exercise. I let myself be pampered, but yeah, I really have to schedule out my self-care. Yeah, I think it's really important to, to these days, we're also air quotes busy. Uh, we have to schedule that. We have to, to make a point to schedule that time for ourselves. Um, and it's like, for some reason, somewhere along the lines of society, it became a negative thing to take care of yourself. Like it's selfish. Like, sorry, I can't, I can't go have lunch with you because I have to get a massage for myself is like us. I don't know. I, I just feel like where, where along the lines did it become a bad thing to, to take more time for yourself than it is to spend time with other people? I agree. And I feel like sometimes the media and what we see on social media too is like, you know, boss, bitch, take care of it. Oh yeah. I'm working 60, 70 hours a week. Yeah. I'm getting it done. I'm successful. Sometimes we compare, we're comparing ourselves with successful people and we don't know that in the background, they feel like shit. Mm, yeah. Good point. <laughs> I'm over. Yeah. I'm over, you know, um, I'm over that, that definition of success because to me, success and happiness is a nice little balance and play between feeling good, serving my community, being in love and, and, um, you know, enjoying my nurturing food. Mm. What are you in love with right now? What am I in love with? Um, <laughs> I love everyone. Uh, what am I in love with? I am right now. I am re I'm falling in love with all parts of myself. The parts um, that make it angry. I'm um, the parts that need more validation, more attention. I am being more accepting of myself because um, I have here. Love happens when you feel safe to be flawed in the presence of another. And I used wow. to. Can you can you repeat that again? Yeah. Love happens when you feel safe to be flawed in the presence of another. I really like that. Was that your quote? Where'd you get that? <laughs> ah, I got it. Um, I got it from this book called, this is a secret. I don't want anybody to know right now. I'm reading <laughs> this book called calling in the one. No longer um, a secret. <laughs> I know. So this yeah. is what you're reading. You're trying to call in the one. Is that what <laughs> We don't yeah. want to know. <laughs> this podcast might draw in the one for you. <laughs> oh, hello. Yeah. Um, yeah. This book has really um, made me more aware, um, opened up my awareness to uh, into accepting all parts of myself and being okay with explaining that, you know, I have these little secrets. We all know that having secrets doesn't serve us. So feels a little better to um to share them with someone and be accepted by someone in, with um yeah all parts of us all the flaws all the imperfections all the little quirks um those are the most fun things that we fall in love each other for so um when we were kind of capping out the the chronic pain conversation um uh, you were talking about kind of where you're at and one of the questions that was coming up for me is what 
what tools are you using? I know this is all sounding vague, but I'm trying to make my transition. Um, and I know that you're, you have in the last year joined a community in Austin where you live, and maybe this is a tool that you're using to work on something like the, the fact that you get triggered and how that takes your energy, whatever, um, or, or this, or this process of, uh, loving yourself so you can call in the one. So I'm just curious about this community that you're a part of and if that's been serving these parts of you or, um, and, and just broadly, what is this, what has this community been doing for you? Hmm. So I've been involved with this community called ALA. Uh, what it is, is like, um, it's called Ascension Leadership Academy. It is, um, helping leaders develop more emotional intelligence in, in um, navigating being a leader. We, there's all types of leadership styles um, and we're all leaders. Um, but, uh, you know, it's been a really safe container to um, explore all parts, um, trauma, um, relationships, why we're not advancing our career, how we're communicating, or I guess if I were to own my, own my story, how I am communicating, how I am showing up, what I'm scared of. I mean, when's the last time you revisited all your fears? Um, one other thing that I'm working on is owning my voice. So I'm, you know, being on this podcast is a huge stretch. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's taken a little while for me to own that I, that I have a powerful message, um, be confident in that, know that we all have gifts to share. Um, and, um, yeah, I just, it's showing up to be a 10 out of 10. I want to show up as a 10 out of 10 in my relationship and I want to attract a 10 out of 10 person as well. Mm. So what does being a part of this community mean for you or being yeah, being a part oh, of the community in general. It's been grounded, continued support. Uh, it's been really honest <clears throat> communication and accountability. It's not like some workshop that you go to and then you're like, oh, you're great for two days and then you fall off. Like um, we have been, we have stayed connected for the last five months. Um, October 2nd will be our last weekend together. Um, but uh, it has just been constant communication in person and online, in small groups, in you know pairs, and and we get to constantly revisit triggers and revisit um, revisit things that are bothering us, revisit things uh, limiting beliefs, and then really work on why they may be there and get through them. Turn turn, you know, turn pain into purpose, turn, mm. turn a breakdown into a breakthrough, turn pain into purpose. Wow. That's obscure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wait, this, this, uh, group, this community really interesting to me, even, you know, before you started describing it, I've seen your social media posts where you're purposely going out on a limb and you know, yelling when you're walking down the sidewalk, like this is my purpose or oh, you know, yeah. things like that, uh, which I really appreciate. Can you speak to how getting uncomfortable can be beneficial? 
Oh, getting uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable. I just want to feel safe and um and and I uh yeah, I'm not used to change and I think that's a whole controlling thing. And I'm and and also I I will admit um that I have this little fear of of being seen a certain way and uh you know, not looking perfect, messing up, falling on my ass. And um, in this container, like all of, we all kind of identify what we're really scared of. And I admit that I'm scared of looking stupid, um, saying something stupid, um, that my voice doesn't matter. I've had all these little limiting beliefs. And again, in journeys of wisdom and in, in this work, we kind of dive into remembering maybe an age where somebody told us that we didn't matter. Somebody mm. told us that we were stupid or somebody told us, you know, ah, you can't show up looking the way you are. You're, you're going to make her feel worse. Mm. Um, you got, you, you, you have that enthusiasm. Maybe can you, can you dim it down a little bit? Because, you know, it's going to make other people feel bad. That's mm. another thing. You know, we all have this amazing light and sometimes we dim our own light and it's, yeah. it's not serving. It doesn't, it doesn't serve us. And sometimes it, it's a little selfish to others because others are, are ready there to receive your gift. And, and um, yeah, we don't, we don't need to be sh- um, dimming down our light. Agreed. Yeah. I think again, like we, we value people that really go for it in society, but then there's a part of society that is so competitive that we don't want people to supersede what we look like. And that doesn't really make sense. But what I'm thinking of is like, if you have parents, let's say that weren't achievers in any way, or they're ashamed of their experience in some way, and you are as a kid, like, are just this bright shining light. And, you know, you're, you're wanting to, to do everything and be everything. And um, some parents don't even realize that, you know, they're, they're suppressing you in some way or discouraging you in some way. And this is how a lot of people grow up believing that they're not worthy of achieving or doing or being the highest version of themselves. That example, I think, makes a little bit more sense of how we can dim our own light yeah being compliant with our parents i think that there's a lot we can talk about here and we could probably go on and on but i know i want to be uh, respectful of time and we do have one final question we like to ask um oh i want to ask it yeah i was gonna ask my turn yeah i was gonna let you christy Uh are you ready (laughs) oh Oh, she plays with her hair and her hands go over her head (laughs) it's pretty simple what do we know about people with their hair okay Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you um, the question is, what has been the most influential journey you've ever been on, been up until now? Journey. <laughs> Be careful, we might use that audio clip. Journey. So I would say there's been two. Um, um, Both of them have to deal with, okay, so there's been two. 
uh, one of the most, um, two major shifts in my life has one been um, Qigong and the high that we can, we can have, like the, the high that I've shifted from um, using breath and using the body to calm and, and just feel like amazing in the body has been one of them. And the second one has been ayahuasca. Um, you and what, I, I, we don't need her, We don't need her to explain that, but tell us why, why that comes up for you. Um, so yeah, um, going back to emotional trauma, all of us have gone through some type of emotional trauma, um, growing up, uh, there has been some, um, event in our life that has had, has impacted us. And then, um, yeah. And so we've gotten help in different ways, possibly going to counseling, possibly, you know, going to circle groups, journeys of wisdom, health coaching, mental coaching, meditation, all the things to balance ourselves out. And so I felt like with the plant medicine, ayahuasca was this kind of like super amazing 5D. Um, it's very hard to explain, but that experience really took me to all the places that I wanted to revisit. And it was like, I got to relive um, uh, reconnecting with a 14 year old self. I was able to talk to a cousin that I hadn't, that had passed away. I was able to realize, um, you know, some deep down fears. And I was also able to fall in love with myself again. That's all I could say. Mm. Wow. I'm falling in, in love with myself every day, but like, it was such a profound experience. And yeah, ayahuasca is no drug where you get high and don't remember anything. Like I still, still remember my two ayahuasca and, um, uh, journeys. I'll never forget them. Yeah. It's very embodied. Very, very with you. I appreciate yeah. you for sharing that. And, um, as we tail off, I wanted to ask you in what ways can our audience reach out to you and connect with you if anything that you've shared today is inspiring for them and they want to figure out how to work with you. Now it's tricky because um, you are in Austin and a lot of your services is probably in person, but in general, how can people connect with you? Yeah. So I am mostly on Instagram. I do have a Facebook profile. Um, it's my first name, Christy underscore Quayar. Um, that's on Instagram. My dry needling page is called CC dry needling. That's on Instagram as well. My website is called CC If you are ever in Austin or in Texas, um, you can find me. Um, and, um, I would, I would love to connect with anyone online. I also want to know if anyone uh, was, um, interested in other, in other coaching aspects or other holistic aspects that we talked about, because I continue to want to create more content mm. and use my voice. So yeah, I'd like to, um, I, I, I'd like to put together one day some, or, you know, develop into a team of, of supporting, supporting others and, um, you know, continue to use my voice as a holistic physical therapist and health coach to mm -hmm. help people, um, heal chronic pain. 
Well, your voice just did it today. I think everybody just learned something from, I learned from you. So I'm sure other people learn from you. So you're doing it. You're already in it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Christy, for taking this time this morning to connect with us and to share not only your expertise, but some also some personal um, journeys that you are on. That's uh, we appreciate the vulnerability and we cannot wait to share this with our audience. I'm so excited, too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so glad that you're doing this. I know that you guys are are traveling. You're doing this for a freaking RV and it takes (laughs) while to get, you know, organized and life happens. And I just really want to acknowledge that you guys are like doing it. And I'm so proud and excited for you. And I'm so excited about what this is going to grow into. Thanks, Christy. Get your needles ready for us. We're coming for you. (laughs) Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs)